Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside from just outside of New York City and from Ireland, Europe. Andrew Gunling, J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? I don't think I've heard Ireland be described. Ireland, Europe. People yeah. just say Ireland, don't they? No, they... no, no. I, I always, I exclusively refer to uh, America, North America. I think that's how people do it. America, NATO. <laughs> how are you? How are things over there with your family and the beautiful rolling hills of green? It, it's good. It's December weather, though. It's it's dank. It's it's drab. It's not cold per se, but it is. It is. How would I put it? Damp. It's moist. There is a lot of rain. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, no, it's great to bring my daughter here. Uh, bring the Brooklyn girl back to where it all began. Yeah. Um, so yeah, very nice, very nice trip. Uh, very good. Uh, eating too much already. Big concern, but that is the festive period. Uh, I might get to run on a on a on a soccer field on real grass tomorrow, Andrew. Oh, thank God! That far from the turf of New York City. Yeah, uh, that's that's beautiful. I should tell you, JJ, because I know you and the listeners are are concerned. I had a brief moment just now when I sat down to do this pod where I forgot that the chair I was sitting in has a uh, the, the San Andreas fault line running down the middle of it, and it almost went fully split. It is already fully split. Like I said, I don't know how it's upright, but I, I had a moment of true panic where I thought I was going down the middle of it, but it held up and I am still sitting in the chair. It somehow is working. So so how about that? Your, commi- your commitment to this potential testicular severing device is is admirable. Yeah. Um, what a fun pod this is going to be. We have, it, it, I'll say this right now. If you're someone who loves adjudication, then this is the pod for you. We've got Super League. We've got U.S. Open Cup. 
It's all here, JJ. So we'll talk about those things. Uh, potentially a big development also for Inter-Miami uh, with an acquisition that has long been expected, but now seems to be moving a lot closer to being finalized. Um, lots of news and notes from things happening around Europe. Jurgen Klopp, he, the moaner in chief, he, he's, he can't moan about other things anymore. So he's now moved on to his own club. So we'll get to that he's, and some of his comments. He's loaded his moan phaser. And pointed it at himself. Yeah. Now, whether or not he's wrong, though, now that therein lies the conversation. So we'll get to some of that. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot going on here. Before we get into all this, um, I, I just want to remind everybody, uh, as always, to uh, if you were looking for our holiday pod, we did a special video. It's up on YouTube now. So feel free. Go check that out. I know our YouTube posts are, are somewhat few and far between, but um Check it out up on the Caught Offside YouTube page because uh, it was a lot of fun. We uh, did all kinds of year end of year retrospective type stuff, and I do want to remind everybody too that uh, we are not Caught Offside the website. I think there's even now another Caught Offside podcast. I don't know how to yes. tell people to differentiate between them, but we're we're this one. Uh, so I, I would love to remind people of that. Rating us always is a huge help this time of year. If you if you can't find any other way to give to the pod, a, a five star rating would would do the trick. Um, so so also, there you go. In, ter- in terms of giving, I should say uh, the t shirts are being delivered as we speak. Um, thanks everyone for a, a fabulous response. For those people who didn't get one for Christmas, you will be getting yours. Um, when we reopen the merch store with with lots of other things that me and Andrew are planning. So mm. thank you so much for your support. And um, send us pictures of you wearing your, your T-shirt in 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 uh, public surroundings, the gym, your local bar. Um, where I, I don't care. I, get as weird as you want, but wear that, wear that T-shirt, take a picture, send it to at CO Soccer Pod on X uh x twitter whatever we're calling it now uh caught offside pod on instagram let us know um how you're enjoying the t-shirts and also one final message for this is for the animals i don't know if they've seen this i don't even know if you've seen it jj but um so obviously we have a, a beautiful strong thriving reddit community on the caught offside reddit page it's awesome there's great conversation going on there but i just came across this from uh noah the qb who posted that a caught offside discord server is now live uh, he said, I didn't know about this. Maybe you did. He said, greeting fellow animals with JJ and Andrew's blessing, not mine, although it's fine. Um, he said, we now have an official caught offside discord server. The server is still very much in its infancy. So if there are any changes you'd like to see implemented, please let me know. Looking forward to seeing you over there. So even more places to, for the caught offside animal community to f- thrive and run free. So feel free to check that out. I tried to log in. I have no discord experience so i don't know if what i was doing i don't know if i did it right or not i I don't know i don't know either people like it a lot it seems to be a a great um another great media for for people who are enthusiastic about a a variety of different things it's very very good again i would uh, request that anyone on there acts respectfully uh, and doesn't turn it into uh, the 4chan of caught off site i'm i'm just trying to always trying to argue against that Yes, I'm with you on that. All right, let's get into it. Well, before we do, I will say JJ, like I said, is in Ireland, and he has warned me before we started recording that the internet there, internet hasn't really, it hasn't really fully made it to Ireland yet, apparently. And so there there could be blips, and I'm just going to have to ask all of you out there to, to just to bear with him, as I will. Yeah, I'm in a I'm in a lovely farmhouse on the west coast of Ireland, but, you know, I, I don't make 
don't make me go through government policy on uh, on broadband in in the Republic of Ireland for the past 40 years. Don't make me do that because it hasn't been good. <laughs> All right. Let's get into it now then, JJ. No, without further ado, the Super League. It made its triumphant return on Thursday morning here in the in the US, I guess afternoon in Europe. Um as the there's a couple ways to do this. I guess we'll go through first the here are the facts of, of what happened. So all of what went down with regards to the Super League and A22 uh, went to the European courts and basically claimed that UEFA was abusing its position by acting as both a governing body that regulates competition as well as being a competition organizer. And the European courts seemingly agreed. Now, there are caveats with that. Here's what I'll say first off. Had the ruling the ruling left enough room for A22 or whatever whatever committee wants to come in and run a Super League, it left enough room for there to be a pathway for that to happen. But it's not it's not quite that clear cut. Um, the whole ruling, JJ, it's something like two hundred and something pages, and it's a lot of lawyer speak. Now, neither one it of is. us, neither one of us, are lawyers, so we're kind of giving you the the human extreme cliff notes version. But I will, for everyone out there who is saying that this was a huge win for the Super League and the clubs that want that to form, while that is true, I'm going to read you this important line from uh, Gab Marcotti, who has a really good explainer up on ESPN FC. Uh, he writes this. He says it's not clear cut. To comply with the judgment, UEFA need to have criteria for approval that are reasonable and don't unduly penalize those who want to make new tournaments. So it comes down to what those rules are. So I would say this, JJ, essentially a new Super League would have to, it, it could exist, but it would still have to be palatable enough for UEFA to sign off on it. Yeah, and it's not happening. Right. Um, it, it, it just isn't happening. This is this is basically... Um, this is basically EU law, which is deep and expansive and manifold. And we, this is, if you live in Ireland, Europe, this is the, the kind of, of law that, um, that governs, um, I suppose what we'd call maybe like antitrust and uh, competition, um, issues. And basically what they've said is, um, you know, it gives, as as RTE said in their breakdown, what it does appear to do, this ruling, is to give companies like A22 the right to pitch a new football competition and for their application to be judged on criteria which are transparent, objective, non-discriminatory and proportionate. Now, the problem with this is, is that it's it's too little too late. What the Super League did was, is that they launched a website and they said, here's the founding members of the Super League we're going to do a Super League. And they left it at that. They didn't give any detail as to how this was going to go. And then they've decided to formulate a, a format for a Super League and, and say that's much more egalitarian, that has promotion and relegation, that's got divisions, and that domestic competitions would still exist. Um, okay, fine, but nobody wants that. It's over. You had your shot. You absolutely blew it, both in messaging a delivery and the actual content of what are you going to do what you're going to do your clubs that you need to have involved have no interest in doing it it's gone it's done it's over and also uefa have made so many so many um basically um how would you describe it andrew concessions to 
UEFA's top teams that it doesn't really matter anymore. It's it's going to forge ahead with the new format, with the group stage system that we're going to see from next season. And and that's it. And people are going to try that. Is is there never going to be a Super League? No. Probably um probably there is going to be one, but it'll be within under the 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 uh the control of UEFA. I say control, under the banner of UEFA. Um and we're seeing it already. We're seeing them attempt to try and make everything uh, change to keep a lot of these clubs who are dissatisfied happy. But right now, your Manchester United, Liverpool, Chelsea, teams like that, they're not they're not going for what A twenty two is selling. It's it's too late. Yeah. I would say at this point, I'm certainly not feeling the the fear that we were back in 2021 when the initial Super League announcement was made, when we thought, oh my God, this might actually happen. I'm not, I think myself and, and most soccer fans around the world who are primarily interested in European soccer, um, I don't think you're feeling that same sense of fear right now because it just doesn't seem like a lot of these clubs have the appetite to go through what they went through last time around. Now, having said that, JJ, so I did look at this new reformatted super league and and try to look at it with open eyes and say okay well what what changes did they make to try to make this um more digestible and palatable to soccer fans so the one thing i will say like you're talking about their the way they they rolled this out last time around at least this time they did understand that simply releasing a cold press release with no explanations or press conferences they understood that that was sloppy and it gave them an immediate l in the PR war. So this time around, it was a little bit different. They have like their, their video that they released that shows you how the competition would work. Um, They understand that, you know, trying to win hearts and minds does matter. And this is not a soccer community that is just going to blindly follow what the big clubs want them to to fall in line with. Um, So there was that part of it. And then the other part, it did feel like they tried to take into account that a competition without a meritocracy is something people have no appetite for whatsoever. However, I want to talk a little bit more about that second point, because what I see with this new reformatted Super League is them trying to be half pregnant. They're trying to make you think that there's a meritocracy in this, but ultimately it's still rigged for their primary clubs, the original Super League clubs, to thrive. So here's the the quick explainer if you haven't seen it yet. There's three tiers in the new Super League. Star, which is the top tier with 16 teams. Gold, which is the second tier with 16 teams. And Blue, which is your third tier with 32 teams. So there will be some... I mean, even just the naming of it. I'm looking at the graphic right now. It's still (laughs) half-assed. But they're trying, JJ. They're trying. What division you in? We're in Star. Yeah. Yeah. Are you... Yeah. So, I mean, look, is that better than champions Europa and conference? I don't know, but I don't know. That's for everyone else to judge. So there's some promotion relegation through those tiers, but for me, it's still fatally flawed for a couple reasons. One, like this super league promotion relegation has very little to do with what you do in league play domestically, except for the third tier. So let's just look at what that actually means. If I'm if I'm understanding all of this correctly, which I think I am, let's assume JJ that Girona are not invited to be in that initial group of 16 star Super League teams. But let's also say they go on and win La Liga this year. You mean to tell me that the champions of La Liga will not be in the top division of the Super League next season or the Champions League? What like that's a joke. And thus, with that, 
even in this new reformatted promotion relegation meritocracy, even in that version of the Super League, they have still rendered domestic league play largely useless for the top sides. So, like, if you're a club in the star division, why would you care about anything happening in the Premier League or the Bundesliga or La Liga? Why would you care about that? Those league games are going to be tune-up matches for Super League matches. Barcelona, if again, if I'm understanding it right, Barcelona could finish 12th in La Liga. But I'm assuming they'll be invited into the initial batch of star league side, star division sides for the Super League. So if they finish 12th in La Liga, they don't give a damn about what they're doing there. As long as they don't get relegated out of the star division, they'll be in the top flight of the Super League forever. Domestic play, well, they'll have useless. A, they'll, have a star, they'll have a star division game on a Wednesday night. And then they'll have a, a exhibition match against uh, FC Dallas that they've got to fulfill on the Thursday night. <laughs> well, that, that's, be... a, that's a whole nother story. That's it's a whole nother story. Mad, but, madness but, for them. Look, but, their, no, but, I, their, I, but their La Liga matches would matter just as much because their only, their only aim will be to remain in the star division of the Super League as long as possible. So now, okay. if you've got all of your top sides that drive the interest of domestic play, Liverpool, Manchester United, Arsenal, if all of those teams are being told, eh, it doesn't really matter what you do in the league. If you're in the star division... You you play your start of your your Super League games on a Wednesday. Rest your players at the weekend against Bournemouth. It doesn't matter if you lose that game. So league play, the Premier League, Bundesliga, it's all still for the big sides. It's all still worthless. Now, if you're a smaller you know, club that wants to move into this into the third tier, yeah, go ahead, win the Premier League. But your chances of rising through the ranks and getting up to that, getting up to the star division, it it has very after that, it has very little. It has nothing to do with what you do in the league. So for me. Under uh, as presently constituted, if this is going to be their their aim to do everything in their power to rig a system for the top flight sides and render useless league play, this will never work for me. And I think and I'd like to believe I hope that most people agree that the history, the tradition, all of that of of league play. I think people care about it more than a 22 or these Super League teams than than they care to realize. I think I'm in the the majority on this. Even just the words coming out of your mouth. You know when someone's speaking to you and you, you stop listening to the content, but you listen to the formation of the words. Have you ever been on a on like a bus ride or a train ride and you're reading a book and you just realize the car and you're just saying the words and you're like, wow, how, how weird are these words? It's like, oh my God. This is English. This is what I'm speaking here. You stop for a second and you you start thinking about the actual thing that you're doing. You know, talking. As you were talking there, I drifted <laughs> away into that. Are you high right I started, now? I started thinking about star. star. The, oh, this is because, and it's not your fault. This is just nothing. It's meaningless. It's an attempt by a marketing company to try and create something palatable because the first time they did it, it was so poor. It was so poorly done. You're right. You're not replacing the European Champions League history, the European Cup history. You're, you're just not doing that. This is why are we even we're discussing this because this is news, but yeah. not because this is anything worthwhile, anything tangible, anything real. It's just nonsense. What happened was the European Union made a ruling that the way in which UEFA reacted, essentially, to the formation of a Super League was contravened uh, European football's, or excuse me, the European Union's uh, competition laws, its, its, its business laws, it, all, all those things. That's all, that's all it did. 
This is nothing. This is not happening. You know, hey, look at what we're presenting. Who are you? Like, who is presenting this? Real Madrid and Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And, and they're paying a, a, under the guise of A22 Sports. Fleddy aren't involved. Nobody's involved. Nobody wants this. There was the slightest bit of a conspiracy theory last night. Liverpool hadn't released a statement on it. And they just did, probably to quell that, saying, yeah, no, we heard what people had to say. We're not doing this again. It's not It's not happening. Just like even as you explained the league format to me, I was like, league format. <laughs> Gold, star, blue, all nonsense, all irrelevant, all not happening. Um, now, I honestly think that th- there are things that will... Like, it's much more interesting to ponder, okay, Super League, just forget about that. But, like, if the Premier League continues, it's, it's. I mean, how, how far can it grow? If it continues its dominance, you know, it's not a, it's not European competition that, that other leagues and other countries will have to worry about. It's like their very kind of existence. You know, if this vortex of money and interest and media keep swallowing up all of football, what is going to be left? How will you be able to pay players' wages? How will your players not even be just zipped from your academy before you've, they've even had a chance to line out in Belgium, in France, in Italy? Like, what is the future of European league domestic football while this behemoth swallows everything around it? Mm-hmm. Like, that to me is the real interesting thing here. This, you know, talk a breakaway league, Super League. It's like what Colin Miller pointed out. Um, any new Super League remains an absolute non-starter. Uh, English clubs won't join, legal, financial, cultural reasons. German clubs won't join, cultural reasons. PSG won't join, status reasons. Atleti won't join, political reasons. It won't happen. Um, but but the like the the stuff that is interesting is that he says the Premier League is lopsidedly economically powerful. Football's current structures reinforce financial imbalances and power structures. But the Super League isn't objecting to barbaric imbalance. It, it objects to those imbalances not currently favoring them. Like Barcelona and Real Madrid, <laughs> they were they were top dogs, and now they're not, and they want to be top dogs again. They're not about making raising up the level of European football, making football sustainable across Europe. They don't care about that. They just want their piece of the pie, so they've decided to create their own thing because they can't get in. But the question about the Premier League still remains. What happens? Where do we go from here? I don't know, but as long as that imbalance exists, where the Premier, where where so much of the money is tilted towards the Premier League, as long as that is the case, then there will be. I mean, look, Barcelona and Real Madrid do still wield a lot of power and interest globally. So, you know, they will not enough, Andrew. Though, well, not, no, not no, not not enough to to launch an entirely new league. But like, as long as like they'll continue to work towards something that works better for them. So I don't think that this goes away. This this might be another swing and a miss. Ultimately, no, it no. will be. But I think that but, there but will there will continually be things. effort. I they, I definitely uh, you're right there. But I definitely think now that they're going to pressure, or they're going to try and pressure Seraphin for something else within UEFA. More concessions, more like just the same way the top six in the Premier League, they they bullied and and cajoled the Premier League itself to give them more of the TV revenues. You know, it'll be something. But it just I just don't see it as a breakaway um 
But something like there's no question something needs to be done. But you know, billionaire or the sorry, Real Madrid and Barcelona and A twenty two, they're not gonna they're not gonna solve any of this. Yeah. No, you're probably right. And I would say that um again, the, the fear that a lot of football fans had in twenty twenty one, I don't think you need to be feeling that way right now. I think that there will be there will there will be attempts to reform and and maybe that's good. Like I'm okay with you know you'd have to help me on this, JJ. When the Champions League was created, yeah, from what from the previous uh, what the European Cup, you know that obviously yeah. then changed format and became the present day Champions League, which is a, it was a significant change. Was it there? Was big you'll have to help me because that was a long time ago, and I was very little, and it was just not on the radar here in America um, in the way that it is today. Was there outrage? Was there excitement? Was there cautiousness? Like, what 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 was the feeling when you when the European Cup format became the Champions League format? Well, don't forget there was no Twitter, and not every home had internet, so it was hard for people to truly express. There was the old school in football who didn't like the idea of taking out the no- a knockout competition, meaning that you know Dundee could could get their way to a U- European Cup semi final. Uh-huh. A lot of people didn't like that. There was a lot of people thought, yeah, this is definitely, definitely a move towards a kind of a, an elite. Uh, and, and, and many people saw it as, you know, a Super League has been talked about for years, years and years, at least 30 years. And some people saw it as a step towards that. But, um, but I remember it as an overnight change. Like the first European Cup final that I watched was, was the 91 one. And then all of a sudden the format changed for 92, 93. Like it was a rebranding as well. Mm-hmm. That was the then there was the music, um, all that. That was it was it was like they went from this is a competition that didn't seem that seemed, you know, like the what it wasn't branded or unified. The only thing that represented the European Cup was the cup itself, which still remains the same shape. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was no branding. There was no stars in the football. There was none of that. Do you know what I mean? So like it did feel. It did feel so different when it started, but it was more old school football heads saying, well, we don't, we don't like this. We don't like the change of the, of the single elimination of the not single elimination, but the straight to a knockout. Yeah, exactly. You lose your first round game home and away you're out. Not that kind of, um, it was more objections like that. Um, and there was a sense of change in the air. The premier league, it was about to start be launched. So there was that kind of, that that's uh, and and those were steps on the way to what we're seeing now. This argument over over um, quality in football across Europe. So um, about I was like I was ten. So I don't I I really don't remember any major. And I certainly wasn't reading like I would love to go back and say read someone like Brian Glanville, the uh, European football writer. What what did he think? Because he he'd been writing for so long at that point about the European Cup. You know, what was he worried about where this was heading or about the change? But again, with no social media, with nothing to funnel outrage. Um, yeah, I, I don't remember a huge, a huge upheaval uh, around that time. Interesting. All right. So there's your Super League update, everybody. Um, it's not sure... happening, but but I'll tell you, it's one nil to them in the European courts. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And this is probably not the final chapter here. Uh, I'm sure that there will be another format change. They're going to keep at this. So this is this is probably not the end, but 
for now, I, I don't I don't see it as something that uh, if you're a soccer fan who who likes the status quo to at least a certain extent, because um, like we said, the Champions League format is changing in a way to try and help some of the bigger clubs. Um, but if you like the way things are, I think that uh, you can you can rest easy right now. Um, let's move from that, JJ, to more adjudicating. And this time it's here in the U.S. as uh, U.S. soccer I guess in this case, sort of the UEFA to MLS's Super League. Um, they respond to MLS's request to have their next pro teams take part in the U.S. Open Cup with kind of a, a long-winded version of, nah, nah, we're, we're good the way that it is now. Uh, here's the full yeah. statement. Uh, Major League Soccer, has, this is from U.S. Soccer Federation. Uh, Major League Soccer has requested to allow MLS Next Pro teams to represent MLS in the 2024 Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. After thoughtful consideration... <laughs> Uh, we have informed MLS that the U.S. soccer staff recommendation, which was adopted by the Pro League Task Force, is that the request be denied. As we move forward, we will continue our review of the Open Cup to ensure it aligns with the U.S. soccer strategic pillars. We remain committed to addressing the needs and concerns of all of our members, including MLS and other stakeholders, to en- enhance and improve the U.S. Open Cup. I wonder, when when I saw that and was kind of thinking more about this, Sure, this is not the case, but I'm just going to throw it out there anyway. Do you think JJMLS always knew that this was going to be the 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 end point, the conclusion to this? They were not going to win this, but they felt like they probably have have voiced their concerns over and over again behind the scenes to little avail, and maybe they thought this is the only way to really get U.S. soccer to listen and to shake things up in some way to, to help us. Like if they want to, you know, if they have issue with some of the smaller sides and, and the the venues or the grounds that the competition is played in, things like that, maybe they thought the only way to get real change is to actually threaten to, to pull all of our teams out, even though maybe they knew it was, that was never going to be the end point. Or am I yeah. digging too deep in a, in a web of lies and deception that probably is giving everyone a little too much credit? No, no, I think you're right. I think MLS wanted to see how far they could push the envelope. They also, like we we discussed already this week, they saw how League's Cup could really benefit them. And MLS and Don Garber and everyone involved have, have long been trying to basically find different and new revenue streams and leagues cup seemed just like an absolute winner for them. The excitement around it. And ah, they saw something gee, that, that is look the leagues cup. I enjoyed it too, but that's, that's built on such phony logic and foundation. That was, that was the Leo Messi show. Like, yeah. Right. But like they've it, got it. it they've know, got it and they need, and they need to clear space. They've also got partners now. major partners they've given up on the ratings game they decided they can't win that so they took the biggest money offer they could get they put themselves behind a paywall there are conditions to that paywall and so they're they're working within that to try and 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 make mls mls is a thing it's 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 a business it's it in in the truest americanized sense and it's protecting its interests and it is not in its interest to have its players play in this competition. It's top players playing this competition. Now, they didn't have to do it this way. I don't know why they couldn't have been and take such a PR hit, why they didn't just give a directive, a club memo to all saying, you don't have to play your top players in this game, in this. And, and MLS w- would, would prefer you to make sure those players are fit and ready for League's Cup. And they could have, MLS teams could have continued to play uh, weakened sides, smaller sides, and they could have done both. I don't, they picked the fight to kind of, I guess, to 
to test things, probably for some other stuff coming down the line, because we know what's coming down the line between them and U.S. soccer. We know what's coming down the line. There is going to they have had their eyes south of the border for I don't know how long. They've always been looking for a way to integrate and to expand competitions against Mexican teams who have massive eyeballs in the United States. And they want more of that because they know there's more money in, in it than the domestic league. And they're looking to create something bigger and they need to clear the forest, clear the pathway for that. That's what's happening. And yeah, this so- is the first, this is the first kind of test. How can we, how can we, uh, yeah, how can we clear space? So where where does this leave the state of the U.S. Open Cup? Are we kind of just back to where we started, where if you are a soccer fan in this country, expect MLS sides to field weakened squads until they wind up in the semifinals and then they decide to go for it? I mean, exactly. I, I think we that's are, just kind we of where, ex- we're, where we are with this. We're in exactly the same spot. Exactly the same spot. Now, but we're also looking at it from an MLS perspective. It's, it's a win for you know, lower league sides for the lower tiers in, in American soccer. This is a good thing for them because if, you know, if they can advance, then there's more intrigue around their games against MLS teams that are actually fielding Messi and players like that. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a win for them. And it's also, it, it it's good to see us soccer standing up to MLS. Yeah. That that is a good thing because they are supposed to be the ruling body for the sport in in America, and MLS should not be able to run roughshod over anyone or, or or break anyone's dreams. Play by the rules if you're part of the club, and also they have the power of sanction. It would be hilarious if MLS did something and pushed ahead with something, and US Soccer said, "Fine, we're taking away your Division One sanction." Oh my God! Yeah, it oh. would essentially mean that the, that a World Cup champion, a recent World Cup champion, and the most recent World Cup champion and the greatest player in the world will be playing in a lower league or a or a non-sanctioned Division One uh, league. Right. So you know, Messi joining non-league side Inter Miami this week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we'll. I, it is a watch this space though, but I I feel as if we are going to see more flashpoints over the next few years between U.S. Soccer and MLS as MLS moves to expand. Not to expand, but to to join and create competitions where it can create more money. Yeah. And we know where those teams are that draw that interest, and they're not in the United States. No. Um, while we're on the topic of uh, of MLS, JJ, and Miami specifically, earlier today, this morning, you might have seen Fabrizio Romano. Oh, he, he made waves. He tweeted the following. Luis Suarez to enter Miami, all set to be sealed and announced. Here we go. Contract ready after verbal agreement reached one month ago. One-year deal for Suarez. Deal will also include an option for a further season. Messi and Suarez together again. Oh, so here we go, JJ. So it's um, it's amazing because um, well, it's not amazing. I I think people could see this coming, but um, it, it's only what a month since Suarez did some radio interview um about playing in Brazil with Gremio and talking about how hard it is for him to continue to play top flight football, how much pain he's in, uh, the amount of painkillers he has to take to get on the field. You know, it it seems mammoth. Um, it was tweeted out. I remember we retweeted it on 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 the pod, and um, and now here he is rocking up for uh, for Inter Miami. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I'll say this about it. Yeah, for, it's for anyone it's not who... going to do anything for. There's a lot of people who will be talking again that old chestnut, the retirement league, because it's certainly again it goes against the trends of MLS in the past ten years. But uh, Inter Miami are not operating. They're they're operating more on a. Uh, how can we do an a once upon a time Galacticos eleven? Well, yeah, exactly. Here's what I'll say though about the idea of it being a retirement league. I get why that would be the thought process because this follows the natural pattern aging player near the end of his career seeing it out in in America however you know regardless of what suarez said about the difficulty of continuing to play at a high level uh he is not washed so this is his uh who scored posted his statistics from this past season in brazil 17 goals 11 assists 52 key passes 34 successful dribbles 8 Man of the Match awards and an overall rating of seven point three five. Still really good, and I would I would expect those numbers to be comparable when he comes to MLS. Maybe he can even improve upon them and extend his career. So this is not like if you want to see this as a retirement community type move, I get why you do. But he's not done by any stretch as a player. Now the question will be physically. How can he hold up? Like, I think his skill set is still there where you can get numbers like that. But can he hold up to the rigors of an MLS season, to the travel, to the various surfaces you have to play on? And that's going to be Miami's issue all season long. Like, I I look at it now. Look, you know, I took heat for saying it. But, you know, I, I viewed Inter-Miami at the end of the season as probably the best team in the league, um, which felt uncomfortable to me because they weren't in the postseason. Um but the problem will be like, so that's how I view them coming into this year. Like you you just throw out the term Galacticos and that's kind of tongue in cheek, but this is sort of an MLS version of it. Messi, Suarez, Jordi Alba, Busquets, like, I mean, my God. So, you know, I know that they're at the end of their career, but we saw when they're healthy, what this could look like. And it looked pretty damn cool and fun to watch and awesome. Um, the only question I, for I me is, is health. Can they hold up to it? Yeah. And, and there were reports from... Uh couple of places during the summer that um that Suarez had asked Gremio to retire. I think it was in June that, it, that uh, Suarez has said I can't I can't do this. I've got persistent knee pain. So if he thinks this is a step, he'll be he'll be shocked if, in, in terms of the the workload, MLS will not be a step down in terms of travel. And if his knees are in that bad a shape, then probably maybe he should retire. I'm not or, or I, I would say if, if you are a fan of certain teams, don't expect to see him at your ground. Like if you're a Sounders fan, is he making that trip from Miami to Seattle to play on turf? No, I don't think so. That's horrible turf. Horrible. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I want to be excited about it because he's one of my favorite players of all time. <laughs> Just what a player. And I am I am excited about it. But I, I don't know. Who would you really say in MLS get... he would he would be most likely to bite during his time here? Well, Chiellini's leaving, so um... I think oh, I can God. easily oh, see God. Jose Matt Martinez. Miazga. Right. Jose oh. Martinez of the Union would have been mine. He's such an Esther. Yeah, uh, Andrew, I'm not sure about this. I I'm not. I'm 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 trying to summon the excitement, but um, I I have I, I really. Like I'd have big concerns about his health. I mean, yeah. And um, and that that'll be no. And I, God, I have concerns about Messi's health going into next season. Yeah, I know. Well, Although Messi will have, he'll have have had a lot of time 
uh, to recuperate and rest. So, but the question won't be at the start of the season. Yeah, the start of the season, he'll I'm sure he'll be shot out of a cannon. It'll be two, three months in. You know, that when yeah. we're getting closer to Copa America, that kind of stuff. That's when the concerns start to hit. Uh, but in the meantime, sure. I am excited. And Inter Miami, if their goal is to be must see TV, you've reeled me in. You got me. Uh, I, I'll be a sucker for it. And if they're on, I'll be watching. Um, before we get out, JJ, all of these guys, Messi, Suarez, maybe not Jordi Alba, Busquets, these all would have been in their prime top 100 players. So I wanted to tell you the Guardian just released their list of the 100 best male footballers in the world from the year 2023. You want to make any guesses? Um, Top 100 in 2023. Wow. I mean, is Messi still in the top 100? He's number 10. He's top 10. Okay. You you were wondering if he's still in the top 100? Well, you don't know, Andrew. You he's just don't 10. know. These these lists, these lists, I, I would say... I, I trust um, the Guardian. I think they have a good uh, panel of people. No, I do. And Jonathan Wilson will have been involved, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure that um, the Soupe du Jour... Well, last season, Soupe du Jour, Erling Haaland will be there. Number one. Um, okay. Holland is number one. <laughs> I'm sure Jude Bellingham is in there, is he? Number two. <laughs> um, there's standard ones that just aren't going to be outside, so Mbappe will be number there. Number three. There we go. Uh, where is... I wonder... I wonder if some... Is, is Mo Salah in the top ten? Number seven. All right. Um, let me think. Let me think. Oh well, um, Bayern Munich's Harry Kane will be in number around. He, number four. T- number four. Yeah, interesting. Um, and then the best player at Real Madrid will have to be in there. That's Vinicius. Number six. Although I would contend that Bellingham might be, but well, no, best attacking player, I should say. Okay, yeah, Vinicius is six. You're missing. You skipped over five. You've got one, two, three, four, six, seven, ten. Um, you're doing great. Although you did suggest that Messi might be out of the top hundred, but we'll we'll let. I, I I yeah, but like I know I know. I just that's because he's where he is right now. I suppose. Oh, I don't know. Um, I'm running out of road here. Okay, you're gonna have to help me with the with the last three. I'm, so I, I'm uh, number five and number eight are both Manchester City players. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne. He's eighth. Wow. Uh, uh. He hardly plays anymore. When he does, though, okay. JJ, he's still spectacular. He's very, very, he's damn good. Yeah. Um, and number five, who's the other? Who's the, the who's their other city player? Rodri. They have as the fifth best player in the world this year. Oh, well, I suppose Champions League treble is going to get you into that area. Okay, I'm. I have no. I number nine. Number nine. Um, what's a hint that I could give? Maybe that if you had to list your favorite team from this season. From from twenty twenty three year, uh, you can make a case he was their best player, like from a like fun story standpoint. Um, oh, yeah, my fun story, like something the team I've enjoyed. You and I think a lot of people. Oh, Napoli. Yeah, Kvaratskhaya. No, he he comes in at twelve. Oshiman. Yeah, they have him ninth. There's your top 10. Holland, Bellingham, right, Mbappe, okay. Kane, Rodri, Vinicius, Salah, De Bruyne, Osiman, Messi. Good for good for MLS getting a, a player in the top 10 in the world. Yeah, M- yeah M- MLS got him in there already. 
I'm um, just looking through any more notables. Um, Musiala at oh, 20. That, Musiala, I feel like he should be a little higher up than that for what he meant to Bayern. Musiala at 20. Huh. Like some of the guys ahead of him, I don't know, like is Odegaard better than Musiala? Uh, is Latura Martinez better than Musiala? I think I think Odegaard if 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 Odegaard is ahead it's because he finished second in the in the top league in Europe. Yeah, he's 18. Odegaard is 18. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. These lists are are often weird. That 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 list threw me a bit. Threw me a I'm bit. Trying, I'm trying to find the top goalkeeper. Uh I see Ter Stegen at 34. Emmy Martinez demands to be there. Oh, Ederson at 23. All right. So there you go. What else I, we got Andrew feel, apart feel free from the to... list? Yeah, no, no, I, but I enjoy this. It's a, it's a fun list. I wonder. You like I'm... a list? You, you, you do love a list. Number one hundred, by the way, was Marcus Turam. In case you were wondering, uh, I'll tell there. you what. You can think more about the list. I'm, I don't mean to do promotional copy for the Guardian, but if you want to see the whole thing, go to uh, their website because it's, it's interesting just to kind of look back and see who. Um... No, Darwin Nunez, JJ, seventy-eight, one behind. So James Madison and Darwin Nunez, they essentially have the same. Come on, anyway. Um, we'll go ahead. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We've got a lot more news and notes of things that have happened around Europe all over the globe uh, from the past few days. More caught offside still to come. In the market for investment worthy bags, watches and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Oh, back now on Caught Offside, JJ. I know you mentioned at the start of the show you've been um, you've been shipping out the uh, the initial batch of of t shirts, which is awesome. Like you said, I can't wait to yes. see people starting to post their pictures and and like we said in January, that's going to be opened up and hopefully will be full launch. And um, this won't. We be might a- have winter items as well. Oh, oh my god! Oh my, well, yeah. well, easy. Let's let's walk before we run, okay? Oh man, this is this is a lot, but I, I can't wait. I can't wait to get mine. Uh, that should be a lot of fun. But it got me thinking about something, JJ, because this is a time of year when people are giving. They're shipping things all around the world to people, and I've been thinking about that with regards to myself. So bear with me for a sec. But like, there are certain situations where people that are like normal, not complicated situations like it's not like i'm asking you to perform brain surgery or anything like that but some situations sometimes leave people feeling utterly lost like you'll feel it a little bit if you walk up to the counter at like a dunkin donuts and you haven't thought about what you want to order and it's like oh my god that that rush of of fright hits you um some people feel it in a car dealership when they walk in they're just like oh my god i don't know what to do here maybe i'm weird 
or pathetic. And I want to know if other people agree and can relate. For me, that feeling, it's mailing a package. It's mailing a package and I need help. Maybe the animals can help me and they can give me some kind of cheat sheet. I mean, I've been mailing packages forever, but I still will walk into a a post office or whatever and feel just lost. Did I, like, I tried to, I'm renewing my passport. So I went and I, you know, yesterday when I went to the post office, I had the wrong envelope. So I had to tear up what I had used and go to the back of the line and find a different kind of envelope that you're supposed to use. Do I need tracking? You're saying it weird. Why do you say envelope? Envelope, you can't even envelope. say envelope. I don't know. Vase, vase. I don't know. Um, <laughs> do I need a tracking number? Do you're I put basinger, my, own, my own postage on it or do they? What is... Priority mail versus certified mail. What is priority oh, dude, mail dude, express? Dude. When, when I when do I like for the passport? I could only use the U.S. Postal Service. But what's the difference between them and FedEx and UPS? I don't understand any of it. I literally maybe this says something about me. I swear to God, JJ, when I know that I have to send a package, I get literal anxiety. I get truly uh, nervous and have to like psych myself up as I walk into the out of my car into the the post office. I don't get how to do any of it. I'm pathetic. Animals, help me. Send me a cheat sheet with a simple explanation of of how to send a package. I I had the same feeling, the exact same feeling throughout this process. I've become my own small shipping company. Um, uh, thanks to, and I, I've, I've had to learn about using ship station. I've had to learn about the difference between, uh, you know, what's, what's insured under USPS ground advantage, all this stuff and, and going to the, to the post office, Andrew, the last two weeks, I have, I, I can guide you through it. We'll take some time when we're not talking about football. I'll sit you down. But before this, yeah, definitely hadn't a clue what I was doing. Um, felt like I was way overpaying for packages, uh, just to make sure they got there at all sorts of <laughs> Tracking on them, GPS location, whatever. But um, but you know, being my own, um, being my own small business, you definitely kind of uh, begin to learn uh, the do's and don'ts. And I, I'll, yeah. I'll walk you through it. It's just one of those. Like I was waiting in line myself, and like some guy, really like regal looking, had a beard, just like you know, I really revered him. And he walks in with two huge boxes, and he just he doesn't even talk to anyone. Just throw him, put him down on the counter, hey, express or whatever. I don't even know what he said. And then he walked right out. I was like, oh my god, take me with you. Can I follow you for a week and just learn the ways of of how to exist in this world? Because I'm doing it wrong. He walked in there with all this confidence, and I I was terrified. I'm, I need help. I will. I will say government agency office, offices, post office, uh, any of those, they DMV, you, you learn some things about yourself. I need help. I need help. Uh, JJ, let's go through some of the news and notes happening primarily around Europe. Um, I don't go, don't need to go too deeply into this, but I at least want to just mention them because by the time you're listening to this, these things have probably happened already. But Manchester City is facing Fluminense later today in the Club World Cup final. Um, and Aston Villa are facing Sheffield United later today, looking to go top of the table I, at the end of you, December. This is amazing. What a story. I remember when Villa were top of the table around this time of year. And it was, okay, I'm not going to say this was the last time, but I reckon it was the last time. 1998, going into 99. So Christmas 1998, I think Villa were top under um, John Gregory. And of course, United went on to win the league. but. It's that long ago since they were top at this time of year. It's it's amazing what what a job Ilnay Emery has done. Yeah, seriously, yeah, it's pretty incredible. And you'd expect him to do it uh, again facing Sheffield United. So yeah, 
unbelievable stuff. And we'll see if City can beat Fluminense, as I, I would anticipate they would, but you never know. Fluminense, that probably means a whole hell of a lot more to them than it would Manchester City. So um, who knows? Um, JJ Fulham, Chelsea, Liverpool, and Middlesbrough all advanced to the Carabao Cup semifinals. Just a few. I'm not going to go into these games in, in any real depth. I but, didn't see you can't do that because I didn't see any of them. I was traveling. That's unfair. Okay. I said I wasn't going to. And and I gave you, you a free you always out. say that and then you launch into a 15 minutes on each game. I gave you a free out and then you went and admitted to everybody anyway for no reason that you didn't watch them, that you were once again irresponsible and unprofessional. Um so, I was uh, traveling, you D. Um so Everton lost to Fulham on penalties. Amadou Onana. Uh oh, his, I did see that on Twitter. So so does that penalty now, I I will also reveal something here. I heard I didn't see it live. I heard about his penalty miss before I actually saw it. And I heard how disgraceful it was. And it is horrible. However, I was picturing much worse based on the criticism it was getting. And I'm wondering, is it bad enough? Does it go into the bad penalty kick hall of fame or is it not quite yes. to that level? It does. Okay. Oh, yes. It absolutely does. It's it's a it's 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 not as bad as Simone um as as um Zaza. Yes. Uh, that- it's not as bad as that, but it's in that kind of ballpark. In terms, it's in that genre. Okay, Th- that elaborate of a run up must produce something. You can't. I mean, and you can't do- roll a ball at two miles an hour. <laughs> you can't. Yeah. You know. You know those videos where um uh so on TikTok someone goes, "Oh, my cat is a goalkeeper," and he starts pinging tennis balls at his cat, and the cat's really agile in that. You know, mm-hmm. that's a cat would have saved that. <laughs> <laughs> like no problem pick yeah. any cat i would say my my um, bad bad penalty kick hall of fame and i would highly encourage the animals and people on twitter or x send us yours i would say zaza you nailed it absolutely he's a first bout bad penalty kick hall of famer jason punchin had one that that's uh, right for crystal palace oh my was, god it, it, i thought he kicked it, was, it out it of the stadium so high and so wide it was a thing of beauty yeah, I almost kicked it out, literally out of the stadium. It was incredible. And, and then I would just simply say anyone who has ever missed a penalty on a Panenka by having a keeper catch it. Like that that, that goes, your usher, right this way, sir. You are a first ballot, bad penalty kick Hall of Famer. I'd like to see other ones, so feel free to send them to us. Um, JJ West Ham. Now, there's a little bit to say here. They make six changes to their lineup, and yeah. they get smashed to bits by Liverpool who in fairness also made changes to their lineup, but there's a clear difference between the West Ham changes versus the Liverpool ones. Liverpool are just a bigger club and have more depth. Um, and Moyes is getting, he's getting hit pretty hard for it. He's been criticized over the last 48, 72 hours or so for that decision-making. Um, before we give our opinion, here's what he said when he was initially asked about that decision. I think it's a pretty cheap question to ask when you, we've played I think the only teams who've played more games in the league over three years is Liverpool and Man City. We've played more games. We've had the quickest turnaround of any of the teams in the Premier League, only two days, and we've played more games. Uh, I don't rotate very often because of the level of the games. And I had to find a way of finding out what players were going to be good for me, get into a Christmas period, and I'm about to lose some players for the African nations. So it was really important that I try and find that out. And tonight we gave some players opportunities. I don't think it was to do with that. Tonight was to do with how good Liverpool were and how good they played. So you can talk about us and you can talk about the rotation. 
But if you're going to talk about the rotation, you better talk about the amount of games we've played more than other teams and also the, the amount of quick turnarounds we've had compared to other teams. It would be unfair to do that without that. So that's David Moyes on the decision to make those kinds of changes. And while I do get his point, um, there's a couple of things that I would say about it, JJ. First off, like, I don't know, call me crazy, but this felt like a, a, a real tangible moment for West Ham to win a trophy. Like City and Arsenal are out of this thing already. You're playing right. Liverpool. So like if you field your best team and Liverpool are making changes, again, Liverpool will be favored. There's no question about that. But it's not the most it wouldn't be the most incredible upset any of us have ever seen, not by a long shot. If you beat Liverpool, the toughest team left is a mid-table Chelsea side right now. Like there's a world where West Ham could have looked at this game like the final. Had they won it, they'd be facing Fulham next. Very again, yeah. Fulham good, but very winnable. So like I don't know. I, what's he saving his players for? Like, they're not going to qualify for top four. I don't care where they are right now in the table. Like, that's not really like this is a, a chance right here in front of them. They're at the quarterfinal stage. Like, and they're and you're playing Liverpool. If you win this, you're kind of the path has sort of been carved for you. So I don't know. And like, I know it's not exactly what he's doing, but managers complain about match congestion all the time. And sometimes I don't. I don't always know what they're upset about. Like, do they not understand that the nature of tournament play is the more you win, the more games you have to play? Like, that's just, that's just kind of it. Like, what do they expect some of these football governing bodies to do? Like, you can't invent more dates to the calendar. You're not going to have yeah, a nine-day well, w- week so a team can play more. Like, I get when Klopp is mad about having to play an early game on a Saturday because that's someone making a subjective decision to put them there. But this is just, like, teams advancing in a tournament. So I, I don't know... And again, he wasn't really mad about having to play the game. He's just explaining the difficulty of having, what did they play? Like 21, seven games in 21 days or something? Like, yeah, yeah, you've won. You're in in Europe. You've gone far in this competition. It's kind of, I don't know who to be mad at here. Uh, The, 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 I mean, quickly, the, the argument with, with Moyes now and, and West Ham fans is they've had enough. West Ham fans have had enough of them. Even when they were going good last season in, in Europe. There was complaints about the league form. There's complaints about the style of play. Um, okay, he's 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 rested players for this game. They get absolutely walloped. This is this is more than that, though. It's more than that. They they genuinely just think this thing has gone as far as it can. The European win last year was absolutely brilliant. But even in that season, around the club, uh, I I talked to my brother-in-law. He kind of just feels, look, we've had a good run with him, but it's, it's probably time to go now. You know, the style of play has been enraging West Ham fans for a long time. They do win games uh, like, you know, they won against Tottenham. Um, They, you know, they are a decent side, but they are still super conservative. Um, And and the general feeling is that he can get more from the players he's got. And and they're not doing that. And it's 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 one of those inflection points. And I know Moises frustrated. He said, uh, we're in a world where people want things to be better quickly. I'm finding that hard to see. Unless a country comes and gives you the finances. We're on a brilliant one. We're one point off our best ever points total in the Premier League. I have to say that's a remarkable achievement for us and to have qualified for Europe. I I don't know what else would be expected. 
Wait, there, uh, just to go back to something you said there, there's a feeling from West Ham fans that he's not getting the most out of these players. They just won a trophy. They just got to the quarterfinals of this competition. They're ninth right now on the table. All of this after having just gotten rid of Declan Rice, their best player of like the last... Andrew, they've never been fully in on Moyes. Yeah. Not entirely as a unit. And we know this. Not the first time. Certainly when he was reappointed, um, it's been much, much better. They they've enjoyed their time, but they've it, it's not been universal or unanimous, and there's been a very noisy and sizable contingent that have wanted him gone, even after last season, the way the summer, uh, the way the season finished with the trophy. It's just the way it is, and um, and we've seen how West Ham United fans can be, and um, I, I I don't see this ending well. Um, oh, interesting, but yeah. I think he'll last to the. I think he'll get to the end of the season, but I think there will be a change. Do you? But you didn't really answer the initial question. How do you feel about him resting the six players? For... I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. I wouldn't have done it. Um, but he's got his eye on something else. I think you know. You say he's won. A, you know, there's a chance to win a trophy. The way he'd look at it is, well, I won the trophy last season. You know, now it's time for for a high league finish. And it did. If they could have got past Liverpool, it would have opened up for them for sure. Yeah. And yeah. I do, and I do think that that was the wrong decision. I do think he should have played the strongest team. To, you know, to go to to go and play Liverpool at Anfield in the quarterfinals of any competition, you play, you play your strongest team. And I think he got it wrong. I think so too. Uh, let's see, JJ Chelsea. They snuck past Newcastle. Kieran Trippier. I mean, his this is a a nightmare run of form that you don't see very often from players of this caliber. He came on, made an error that led to Chelsea's tying goal uh, in stoppage time, and then he missed his penalty. And you know, we we've been talking about him for weeks now, going back to like the Tottenham game when Son just took him to school a couple times. It's gone on since. Uh, I don't know what. I mean, he has sort of become the living embodiment of just how exhausted Newcastle are. Like he's the one that you're seeing it in more than anyone else. And he's, I love him. Like he's a really, he's, I think he's a great player and he's been a great signing for them. But I mean, this guy, this guy just needs a break. My goodness. Yeah. It's, 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 it's what you prescribe for Onana and it's, it's easier to do it to a fullback. Take him off the team, give him a break. I, I totally agree with you. Now here's, um, I do have one question. This for is you. a very good player having like, it's, you know, it's not a guy where you, oh God, I've, I've never really fancied him. You know, and he's and now he's in a terrible run of form. Why is he in the side? He's in the side because he's had to be. And uh, <laughs> this side yeah. is jaded. And this side is absolutely jaded. And he needs a rest. Yeah. So here's my question for you. So the mistake he made in stoppage time, it, it led to Mudrick scoring the equalizing goal in, and sending it to penalties. So afterwards, uh, Mikhailo Mudrick posts on Instagram and he said, Kieran, just want to say to you, stay strong. Sometimes the S... Is happens, but I think you are a strong footballer no matter what. So we live in a skeptical, jaded world. If you're Trippier, are you grateful for him sending that, or are you thinking I don't need to be patronized by you? Leave me alone. I, I, I think he probably appreciates it, but he also probably doesn't want to hear it. You know? Yeah, yeah. I keep I keep going back and forth. Like if someone kind of embarrassed me in that way would i want him would i want that person to then put a public message out there like patting me on the head i don't think i need that i don't think i i maybe no. a t- I, I i think that why in football it would have been easy to get his cell phone number and just text him or something I, right uh, and by the way but, this is i don't mean it as a slight to mudrick i think his heart was absolutely in the right place i don't think i think so too i think so too but you've got to read the room a bit you've just mugged him and it's and it's not his first mistake it's 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 now he's made him he's he's directly contributed to what seven or 
six goals in the last three games. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. So leave him alone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, what, speaking of Chelsea, Reese James undergoing uh, surgery. Going to be out for an extended period of time now. Could be a couple months. Uh, we can he, categorize him now as as one of those players. This sucks, man. Since he tore his yep. ACL, I mean, this is now just like a couple years ruined in his prime as he's you know become Chelsea's captain, their best player. Two years of, of the best version of Reese James gone, wiped out through these hamstring injuries. And it's been really hard for him. Um, and he posted this. He said, since this injury, I've had a good amount of support, but significantly more hate and negativity. Uh, believe me, I don't want to be injured. I'm happiest when I'm playing football. God, you feel terrible for somebody who's like going through by far the most difficult challenge of their professional career. And then when they need support the most, they got to go on Twitter or social media or anywhere and they're getting ripped for it. Like, ah, I don't know. I know yeah, I'll be told, oh, oh, stop, stop babying these guys. They make millions of dollars. All right. Well, I, they're also people and I can, I'm not going to remove them from being that. Uh, and I feel bad when I see stuff like that. So yeah, yeah that's. No. I, I feel the same way it happened with Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Um, his father had to come to his defense. Calvert-Lewin genuinely injured, wanted to play, and apparently was getting abuse from, from Everton fans, and his father heard it during the game. So that is uh, that is something that, um, I don't know, I've never understood that in football, but, it, but it's, it, it's a real thing. Anything else? Uh, yeah, one last bit here. Uh, Liverpool are going to host Arsenal this weekend. In, in what up to this point, you can make a case, given the way the table is kind of shaking out, it's the most important match of the season. So I I bring this up because the other day after Liverpool beat West Ham, Klopp was not pleased, not with his team. He was very, very happy with how his team performed, as he should be. They won 5-1 and advanced to a semifinal. No, no, no. He was very upset with the performance of the fans. Here's Jurgen. But I have to say, it's long ago that I said it, but I thought in the first half a little bit when, when the boys played really exceptional, I was not overly happy, I have to say, now with the, with the atmosphere behind me i don't know i don't i ask people what do we want so we change a lot of things we dominate west ham like crazy we miss chances and i i if i would be in a stand i would be on my toes but one thousand percent and i don't know if the man united game was that bad that we have to say oh sorry that we can that we didn't smash them um we need Enfield on Saturday. Without Enfield, I would say after they didn't play this week, just to make sure I know, sorry, they didn't play. They prepare for this game, and who knows a little bit about them, they will be prepared. So we need Enfield on their toes from the first second. Without me get having an argument with the opposition coach, whatever, we need you from the first second. So if you really want, if it's too much football in December, I don't know. Sorry, we have to play it as well. But... If you are not in the right shape, give your ticket to somebody else. JJ, I cede the floor to you. Yeah, um, I uh, I didn't enjoy that from Jurgen. Um, oh, I, I I see his point, and I've spoken before about how there's certain grounds now that um, just aren't the febrile atmospheres of years gone by. Old Trafford, uh, Anfield often come to mind when people go to games. And they notice that oh, this isn't this isn't the the Premier League atmosphere, the the you know the stands heaving with people singing songs and just a general electric atmosphere. Um, he talks about not coming like this isn't the first time we've heard it from Klopp. We've seen him in game talk about uh, or try to gesticulate towards the crowd to get them up. Come on, come on, as if he's not happy with it. Like he has admonished the fans before. Um, he talks about trans, uh, you know, giving give your ticket to someone else. Uh, John Gibbons uh, from the Anfield Rap made the point about doing that. He said, uh, 
I reckon if I sat Jurgen down and explained to him the process around giving someone a ticket who hasn't been before, his head would fall off. I mean, it's <laughs> it's never been harder actually to give someone else a ticket uh, uh, to a football match, transferring, especially if it's a season ticket. Um, you know, clubs are very tight with stuff like that. Um, I, I think it's one of those where where Klopp is perhaps, um, I would have kept that to myself. You know, there's ways of doing it. Pep, Guardiola does it a lot about City fans. Guardiola is never afraid to kind of say to City fans, you know, um, that was quiet or, or I, we need our fans. We need them to be, you know, so, so good, so, so loud. Um, but sometimes I wonder about that, um, about admonishing the fans and where that's going to get you long term. Well, um, I'll say this. Uh, the uh, spirit of Shankly, Liverpool supporters group, came out and have, quote, no argument with Klopp's criticism. They said, we have no argument with Jurgen Klopp highlighting issues around the Anfield atmosphere or lack of it at times. Uh, it's something right. our fans discuss regularly. It is central to the club's and Anfield's identity and something the most passionate among us are keen to protect. Uh, it is no accident that opposing teams, coaches, and fans speak about the Anfield effect. We all know how intimidating the crowd can make it for visiting sides, how the atmosphere can be second to none. Um, we do have concerns, though, about the lack of opportunities for young supporters to go to the game, catch the bug, and preserve this decades-long culture of the cop. Um, they go into and that is a problem. Yeah. That's a problem, though, Andrew. That um, locals are priced out of the game. Right. Exactly the people who are passionate who will create who create that atmosphere that Klopp is craving. Look, no, no disrespect to anyone here, but um, you know your fan, your your two your supporters, your football tourists from Japan or, you know, Stacy and Ryan from Wisconsin who are just excited to be there. They're sat there. They're looking around them. You put four and a half, five thousand, ten thousand, twelve thousand, fifteen thousand of those type of people in the ground. Mm. Your atmosphere is done. You're going to kill it. Yeah, they uh, the, um, the statement goes on to say uh, deep rooted worries that our culture is being watered down by greater corporate offerings and out of reach ticket prices echoed by supporters across the Premier League. That is, so, it, they it, agree with Klopp, but then they they sort of push it back to the club and say, "Well, this is." But it is the club, and it's the yeah. Premier League. And again, oh, uh, you, you hear Americans and, and and not just Americans, like fans from everywhere, say, "Oh, I'd love to go to a game, or whatever." Fine, but you know, and they say how hard it is to get tickets. It should be hard, but it's not hard in the right way. Mm-hmm. It should be hard for people who are not from the local community to go to those games. It just should be. It needs to be full and stocked with players, with them, sorry, excuse me, locals. And uh, Gary Neville talked about this, about the Man United atmosphere. He said Manchester United are a big enough club, a rich, uh, a rich enough club, that they should be able to get young supporters from the greater Manchester region, from, from Salford, from all those places, into games and at a discounted rate. And I think the same applies for Liverpool. But again, it, you know, we're talking about MLS selling its product. It's all about money. Premier League's no different. Um, and, uh, you know, the foreign fan will pay because it's a one-off. Foreign fan will pay huge amounts of money to try to try and experience the Premier League. But the knock-on effect is that the more of those fans you have in the stands, the less experience there is to experience. Hmm. Interesting. That's a beautiful Christmas story to end on, JJ. Um, I hope you have a lovely time in Ireland with your family. Thank uh, you. I'm envious. You're, it's going to be a great... How long are you there? Two weeks? I'm No, no, no. Um, I'm because we've got uh, Roisin with us six months. I think not, um, seven, eight days is enough. Oh. So um, I just had Roisin on my lap right there during recording, and she started uh, grabbing at wires. Oh God! So I thought, oh, 
don't get on Andrew's bad side already. No, she? she will. She she will get on my bad side. What are you what are you hoping to get for Christmas, JJ? Do you ask for anything or is uh No, nothing. I've had the craziest year. Um and and the most amazing year in so many respects. So I don't I I I'm I'm honestly if 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 15 or 14 year old JJ um responded uh, what do you want for Christmas? Nothing. I'm just happy to be here. He would be what? Yeah. You know, what are you saying? But uh um, forty-one-year-old JJ is just happy to be still with you all. Yeah, I would like Adobe Audition. I've I've been I've been editing this pod for the last dude, dude, over a year I now. Keep telling on you, the we're most, a business. Basic, free. We're a business. Go I need and buy, something. Let's go. I need let's something go better. And buy it. Oh god. Yeah, We've got to spend some money. You know. Can Santa deliver that? How does that work? Will he have to email me? I don't understand. I'll, I'll figure that out after the pod. Yeah, no. Listen, we will upgrade for you, Andrew. I can't. I can't have you going through this. No, I enjoy this pod immensely. I want to wish all our listeners all around the world uh, and all around America just the, the happiest uh, season. Um, and hope your families are safe, healthy, happy, and you you all have a wonderful time together. And thank you for in our first year of independence for being um, so committed and so so loyal and uh, and so much fun to interact with as well. Absolutely. I echo all that. We'll be back, of course, next week. Uh, a lot of big matches over the weekend. I can't guarantee what day. I know Monday is Christmas Day, so I don't. you and I will have to chat. But we'll, of course, have pods uh, next week where we'll look back on everything going on in this sport that we love. JJ, have a great Christmas. To you, I say... Check you later, fun boy. I'll see you. Take care. Happy holidays. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.